We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. Joining us today is Shepherds College Advancement Officer, Kevin Phillips, and his wife, Joy, who are celebrating their 31st wedding anniversary. They have two daughters, one a recent graduate from Taylor University and another a junior in high school who has Down syndrome. Prior to joining Shepherd's Ministry, the Phillips family served as missionaries under the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism for 11 years, seven of which in Hungary. Kevin and Joy, welcome to the show. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. We're honored to have you. God has certainly given you unique opportunities in ministry, and we're looking forward to hearing your story. And we're looking forward to telling it. I remember a time not so long ago when very little was being done to address the needs of individuals with developmental delays. So when I was first exposed to Shepherd's ministry as a young girl, it was both a blessing and a challenge to see what God was accomplishing in the lives of the residents there, even with their challenges. And it is been exciting to see how this ministry has really taken off. Would you tell us about Shepherd's College? How did it begin and how did it get where it is today? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, It all began back in the late 50s. And I think it's always interesting when you find out what God can do with a mere question. And the reason I say that is because the there was a couple back in late fifties who had a child with a disability, uh, down syndrome, and they approached their Sunday school class, uh, a church here in, in just North of us in Milwaukee. And they asked that class, you know, what would you consider doing something for families and children with disabilities? A simple question, you know, um, and the class took it to heart and they ran with it and, and they, they began looking at ways they could, you know, answer that question. And it began first with the provision of respite for families uh, with students with disabilities. And that's just a huge uh, need for, you know, for families who have a child with disabilities. Oftentimes they, they can't get out and leave their, you know, their, their, their children at home by themselves. And so... That's how it began as a respite program, and then it kind of progressed from there and uh, became, in the early 60s, a a school, a home and school for children with disabilities, and uh, it did that for for years, Uh, and then as society began to better address the educational needs of uh, students with learning disabilities uh, in the public school system and special ed was mandated to be part of the public school. Uh, It transitioned away from uh, the school for children and became more of a a residential program for adults with disabilities. And that's what the program, that's what the ministry was for many years. Um, And then about 2006, uh, they began to just see 
um, a decline in, in younger folks being brought to Shepherd's residential program. Uh, and then aging current residents were passing away or exceeding the medical capabilities that we had the ability to provide. And so for various reasons, they began to look at, you know, how can we continue to be a ministry to this population, um, but maybe having to change what that looks like. And so they, they began to look at that and that's where the idea of a college came about. And so that was 2006, 2007, and they, they launched Shepherd's College in 2008 with five students. And that college, and the college ran parallel to the adult residential program until this past June, when after a few years of phasing out that program, it became 100% college-centric, and that's what we are today. So we started in 2008 as a college with five students and students begin to arrive tomorrow for the upcoming school year. And we are expecting, if everyone shows up, we're expecting 92 students. Wow. And so that's just an amazing gut thing, how he's just continued to affirm that this was the right path back in 2006, 2007. And so it's an amazing and unique ministry. What sets this ministry apart from other ministries that serve adults with intellectual disabilities? Uh, I think what sets us apart, because there are some other programs, you know, that have wonderful, you know, opportunities for young adults to acquire some education. Um, and so there's, there's many out there and there's more every day, you know, cropping up. I think the thing, what sets shepherds apart is one, I mean, in our mind, it's a Christian college. You know, we're also, you know, you know, because this population has often been told that, you know, their lives don't matter. They're not, they're not important. They're not smart enough, you know, and so being a Christian college, we're affirming them that, you know, God created you on and for a purpose. You know, you have, you have abilities and we're going to focus on those. So I think, and plus they just, you know, they get that that instruction in, in things of God and, and and are able to learn those those values, whether they accept them or, or not or believe them or not. You know, they're going to be taught and they have that ability to, to learn those. Right. Uh, I guess another thing that sets us apart, I think, is the fact that these other programs I mentioned, uh, as far as just in, in general terms, um, are not residential programs. Uh we at Shepherds, it's a residential program. It's a three-tiered progressive housing uh, format where they they begin, you know, in in a dorm, very structured, you know, as abilities and things move on. They move to a second-year housing where it's more less structured, but still got supervision, you know, and learning. Where they learn all those really important life skills parts, you know, aspects of life and. And then if they continue to progress, you know, they move to a two-person apartment on campus, which is very much just like, you know, getting a roommate after college and, you know, and living and have to managing all of that yourselves. And so uh, that's the thing that that sets us apart from these other purposes that we are residential. Um, and so then I guess another thing, too, is just, I mean, it's the population we serve, obviously, you know, I mean, that makes us unique in certain ways because, you know, we some of the other programs are uh, are mixed um, and there's, there's value in that. 
but we are a, a college specifically designed for those with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And so mm. it's more focused on, on their needs and every individual is, is, is looked at and what their specific needs are. And we have a very attentive staff, uh, very, you know, just very passionate staff, you know, uh, that work with them individually and as groups. And so those, those things, you know, make us unique, I think, and set us apart. We're an accredited program. That's huge. That's, that's, we're the only, to our knowledge, the only accredited program for students with disabilities in the country. Wow. Uh, that allows parents, you know, to apply for FAFSA if they need to, you know, and get that, uh, that additional financial assistance. Um, it, gives, it, gives, it gives a vetted uh, credibility to it's a, it's a certificate granting program. So uh, having it come from an accredited program, it kind of vets that individual as they go out and seek employment, you know, after, after graduation, which I want to throw out there right now, we have a 90% job placement of our graduates and that's just huge. Really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so that accreditation, you know, gives a little bit more weighted value than just to, Hey, you went and completed some courses and you, you know, you finished. You know, you you have learned certain things. Uh, we had 200 and little over 250 uh, uh, line items to to hit by the accreditation board. Oftentimes, when a school goes through that process, they they come back with a report that says, "Yeah, you hit 100, but here's 100 you have to work on or adjust or fix." Uh, and it is a process. And maybe you've been involved in that accreditation process before. I don't know, but. We hit every benchmark the very first time, which just goes to the, this speaks volumes to the excellence of our program, the, the, the value we put in what we're doing, uh, because we want to provide a, a beautiful program, uh, you know, that's geared towards this population that gives them the best chance to succeed. Absolutely. How was your heart drawn into Shepherd's College Ministry? Our hearts was drawn to this population long before Shepherd's. Uh, I mean, to working here, I should say, uh, I personally, the church I grew up in was a church similar to yours, Tabitha, where, you know, a group came and, and, they, and they spoke about shepherds and I knew of that program. So I, I knew of the ministry for a long time, as you did, Tabitha, you know, with, with the residential program. Um, you know, but going back to a little bit in time, I should say, we, you know, we, we, had, we had our first daughter, Christiana, and we were a little bit older, you know, when she was born. And then, you know, we didn't really want to have, you know, our children too far apart. Um, and so she, uh, she came to us nine years after we got married. And then we'll, we want to have another child a little bit sooner than that. So they're, they're close in age. And for whatever reason, that just wasn't happening right away. And about, and they're five years apart. So about year three, maybe four, Joy asked me a question out of the, the blue, kind of, I guess, and because uh, I wasn't prepared for the question. And she said, you know, what would you do if we had a child with Down syndrome? And I just didn't really know what to do with that. Um, I never really thought about it. We hadn't talked about it. Um, my response, sadly, was I don't think I could handle it. And, and so then, you know, a year, about a year later, a year and a half later, our second daughter, Brianna Bree, uh, was born with Down syndrome. And so we were suddenly, you know, thrust into this world, you know, of disability. And 
so that was 2002 when she was born. And between that year and 2008, uh, another change took place in her life and God called us into missions. And that was just an argument I had with God. You know, you know you've obviously forgotten that we have a daughter with Down syndrome. So why are you asking us to go wherever? Um, and so that's another story. Um, and so 2008 was the year that we left for Budapest, Hungary. She was six years old. So prior to that, we had we had these conversations of like, what does life with Brie look like as she gets older, as she gets into school, high school? Not even thinking about college was an option. You know, that was not even on the radar remotely. Uh, but then 2008, Shepherds College, and I don't even remember, I remember Jordan reading it somewhere and said, wow, Shepherds is starting to college. And we're like, really, what's that all about? And so you know, I teased our president and my boss, you know, we, we began to stalk you for six years, you know, um, to make sure that you were delivering on what he, the article said that you were going to deliver on. But we, so we went to Hungary in 2008, the year the school started. We, you know, we loosely followed it, you know, because we're, you know, you, you had to live in the, in, the, in the moment and deal and not deal, but to work through the things as they came. So college was there. So we would check in periodically, you know. Uh, and see what was going on. And and so our last furlough, you know, just various things happened. We were in the States longer than anticipated. We began to see how Brie was uh, benefiting. Uh, really thriving. Really thriving. That's what I'm looking for, thriving. You know, being back in English culture, back in an English-speaking church. Uh, we went to a Hungarian church, you know, so she didn't know the language. And and so we just began to just, you know, think, you know, guys, are you moving us away from Hungary? And uh, somehow, Joy, I think Joy was looking on the website just about college, you know, stuff as we periodically check in to see what was going on. And the opportunity was there for advancement, uh, which is fundraising and donor relations. And that's, you do a lot of that with, as missions in missions. And so we just really felt that that was that was maybe something worth exploring because of our obvious love for our daughter uh, and obviously you know what we have seen shepherds do through the years and knowing that you know it's a place that we can easily from day one I mean you know I, I had to learn to know Hungarians you know uh, but I didn't have to learn to tell a story about my love for our daughter and her disability and how we strive to make life better for her we're both kind of drawn to the ministry together just through, through the fact, you know, through the avenue of our daughter and our personal family dynamic. In, in what ways has working with individuals with intellectual disabilities changed you? Um, well, I think maybe I'll answer that one um, because um, if anybody knows me, they know that I am the, one of the most impatient persons or people that they've met. And um, I will say that, you know, definitely working with a child with Down syndrome has developed my patient side of my um, personality. You have to be patient because um, there are things that just take longer and there are things that require continual reinforcement. And sometimes there are things where they're not, you know, learned for a very long time. And then one day though, you know, 
that um, light bulb goes on and that's the day that we all have a party. So, so for one, we, we learn to have parties more often and celebrate the wins. And, um, but another thing too, is that um, never to limit for me, never to limit what a person with a disability can do. Mm. Um, you know, with Bree, I always thought, well, you know, I, you know, I don't know where she's going to go, but you know, I'm going to shoot for the moon. And if we only reach, you know, the clouds, it's, it's still okay. You know, she reached the clouds and, um, and she has far exceeded my expectations. I, I love to read and, um, I never imagined that Bree would be a reader that would pick up a book and, and, and read, you know, what it, what it said about, the pictures and you know she's even developed books where there are less and less pictures which is a great thing and so um you know and even doing math um problems I, I never in a million years thought that she would be able to do some calculations and things like that and so um just realizing never to limit um a person with a disability or or anyone else for that matter um because people really do exceed your expectations yeah, to, to Joyce's point about that, I mean, I, my role is advancement, and, 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 you know, as you mentioned in the opening, um, I do take on one additional task here, because uh, of just a need, um, and that is staying overnight once a week in second-year housing with you know, a group of guys, and I did that last year, and there was a, there was a young man in there, and you know, he's just always smiling, you know, and he's just the happiest guy, you know. And so one of, they have to do a lot of chores, you know, as part of their, their development. And one of this particular day, he was, his chore was to take out, you know, collect the garbage, you know, and tie, you know, take, tie it up and, and then on the way to class, drop it in the dumpster. And so I'm, I'm watching him, you know, attempt to, you know, tie the, tie the, the, the garbage bag every time you do it it just opened back up he just wasn't getting it and so we I, I went over I just started working with him a little bit and I did it and he was thanking going no well you can thank me but that's just the that's just the example now you're going to do it <laughs> and so I untied it and he started tying it and he was able to get it and he we high-fived each other and then the next day I came in uh, the, the following week he goes Mr. P he goes guess what I go what? he goes I tied the garbage all by myself and it's just huge. Yeah. You know, it's a, so the joy's point of you know, not limiting, you know, it's and, and patience. It just takes time. It's not like, you know, uh Bree's older sister who learned things quickly, or maybe and perhaps this particular individual's brother who learned things quickly. You know, you've got to be able to just stop and say, you know, they have abilities. We just have to help refine them and help identify them. And, and have victories, parties when they do. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's how that kind of worked for me as well. Right. Do you believe that a common shortfall, even among the body of Christ, is not understanding the high potential our friends with developmental dis- delays have? If so, how can we change our perspective and bring out the very best in them? People in the body of Christ, you know, and even outside, I mean, just in, I think it's in general, need could use more compassion, mm-hmm. you know, as, as they as they see a person who is struggling or who who is who doesn't you know, necessarily look like you know uh, everyone else or speak like everyone else. Um, 
you know, it's just that sometimes, you know, they, you know, I was guilty of this too, you know, I'm sure, you know, you, you, you don't tend to navigate towards the person that walks in your church with a disability, you know, as a teenager, you know, you, you tend to navigate towards those, you know, who are like you and can do the same types of things. And so I think that's, that's the case where there is a shortfall. And I think some of it, I mean, as we have, you know, raised Brie and at times interacted with people who, you know, didn't know what to say or and they said something, you know, you're thinking, yeah, that's just really a weird question, you know, um, but it's just education. You know, we, we have to educate people of how to, um, to accept and to work alongside those who are different. Well, um, just to answer your question in churches in general, um, sometimes I just feel that there's this air of unacceptance. And I think a lot of that is brought on by fear because um, people just don't know what to say. And rather than saying something that they may think is not right, you know, um, they would rather just not say anything. But I do think that there is a need across the board, you know, and not just with disabilities, but even people who are different that are might be a little quirky or something than the average person. Just a, this air acceptance and love instead of um, the opposite. And and I, somebody once said, um, you you come to love not by finding a perfect person, but by seeing the imperfect person perfectly. Mm. And I just think that. That's how Jesus sees us. And if, and if people could kind of look through the eyes of Jesus more often in that way and seeing other people perfectly, um, they were made exactly how God wanted them to be made. They were given the personality exactly that God wanted them to have. And so we need to appreciate that as other Christians um, and, and learn acceptance. So, Yeah, in, in my role... Donor relations advancement. Uh, I often have the chance to, you know, speak in churches, and sometimes that's you know to an adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school class, or to to the church corporately uh, in the morning service. And one of the messages that I bring at times is is having the, having a Jesus perspective of people. And just in summary, I will summarize this. There's three points that I, I follow. We, you know, the first one: we must see people. It seems very obvious, but we must see them as people and not as a problem. Uh, that's not how Jesus saw people. He saw, you know, everyone the same. Uh, secondly, you know, we need to see their potential, you know, not who they are at that moment, but poten- potentially who can they become. You know, think of Peter, you know, you know he's, he was a rowdy, boisterous, arrogant, impulsive, you know, fisherman. And Jesus said, you know, you're going to be called rock the rock and, um, and you're going to build a church, right. you know, and then, you know, Jesus saw past all those flaws and failures and denials and everything and saw Peter's potential. You know, we, we needed to try to do the same, you know, if we look at people and then we just need to see people proportionally. And that's, you know, our oldest daughter is a CrossFit instructor and her passion is to train students with disabilities. Um, and, you know, for her to train, you know, me in the gym, I had, she would have certain expectations of me that I could do more based on who I am. And she tried to train me the way she can do things. It'd be different because she's probably stronger than I am. So she looks at, you know, if we look at a person who walks in the gym with Down syndrome, she can't have the same expectation of that person that she does of herself. Otherwise, that person will fail. 
is we have to, we have to look at people proportionally to what they can do and, and, and treat them that way and help them work and develop them along those lines. And so I just think, you know, healthy, you know, attitude of acceptance goes a long way in, um, in facilitating that change in the church or in, in general. Very well said. Yeah, I like, I appreciate your point about seeing others as Christ sees them. And it, it reminds me, the Bible says that we are all created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. From your observation and experience in ministry, in what ways have you seen the image of God in people with Down syndrome or autism or any type of intellectual disability? Mm-hmm. Well, with Bree, it's, it's really easy to see Jesus through her because, and and she's not perfect, by <laughs> just like the rest of us are. But with Brie, the way she loves people, and, and Down syndrome, it, people are known for their, you know, they love to hug and they love to, you know, just connect with other people. And and that's the way Brie is. But Brie, Brie really doesn't care um what you look like, sometimes what you smell like. Um, she's been known to hug many a homeless person, and sometimes they haven't, you know, taken a shower uh, every day, and she doesn't care. She hugs them anyway, and she doesn't care what you sound like, what you look like, what you smell. She just wants to give you a hug, and if that isn't, you know, modeling Christ-likeness, I don't know what is, you know, because she doesn't see the, I really feel she doesn't see the outward. She just sees that person as a person that needs a hug. Yeah. I mean, I see definitely, I, I often say to people that Bree is the theologian in the family um, because she teaches us probably how we should be more like Christ. And, you know, sometimes perhaps we are, you know, um, but I see, you know, other characteristics. I see her kindness, caring, you know, forgiveness, uh, you know, unconditional love. You know, those are just things I see in a lot of the population that we serve here at Shepherds and that we've encountered, you know, through groups that we've been associated with uh, as a result of having a child with Down syndrome. Um, you know, they love well, you know, mm-hmm. like Joy said, they, they just they just do it well. And so I think that's uh to answer that question, what we see, yeah, the image of Christ, you know, displayed in the lives of those we serve and, and in our case live with. As you mentioned earlier, the world often argues that it's cruel to let an individual with Down syndrome be born into a, quote, meaningless life. Have you discovered any particular passages from the Bible that teach us what God's view is of a meaningful life? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I mean, you know, I think of in Matthew 22 where Jesus is having this dialogue and the, the passage says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the laws and the prophets. To me, that now I don't know if if we were if we were to go to a you know a, a commentary, it would speak to this. But to me, 
when we talk, we already referenced how Brie and others like her, you know, love and love well, regardless. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus, to me, he's saying, you know, hey, if you, if you love me and you love others, this is what life is. You know, there's going to be lots of things that, that come off of that. You know, there's, there's different spokes, spokes in the wheel and everything. But, you know, these are the two greatest things I'm asking you to do. Love me and love others. And I think, you know, a, a child that, that or any individual that will kind of grab onto these two things. And with Down's children, some, that, that DNA is, is somewhat innately there, at least to love others. You know, uh, and Bree loves God. You know, you, I mean, every time she prays, you know, we love you is in that prayer somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think, you know, we need to, you know, giving them the opportunity to, to grasp those two things is meaningful. You know, as a parent of a, of a child, we had many conversations, Joy and I, with various pastors and various people about, you know, can, what does God do with children with disabilities who may or may not ever come to an understanding of who he is, what their need is, and that he has an answer to that through his son, Jesus Christ. And we experienced in 2017, September, in a pool in Florida, Bree asked me to help pray with her. And so we believe that these children can have a relationship with God, so their life is not meaningless. Yes. You know, God created them you know, knew her and be sort of long before they were born. And then I would just additionally comment, you know, to, as you had said, Paul, you know, some people would say that um, it's cruel to let an individual with Down syndrome be born into a meaningless life. I would just say that it depends on what you call meaningless, because if meaningless is showing love to people, no matter what, if meaningless is, wanting to be your friend, no matter who you are, if meaningless is really, really, really working hard for a small thing in comparison to the average person, a small achievement in life. And then, you know, celebrating that, you know, win later on, um, because to them, it's like earning a gold medal in the Olympics, you know, then yeah, then yeah, it is cruel, but this is the cruelty. This is the meaningless life that I would choose any day, really, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, it's hard. Nobody said it was going to be easy. Life, life isn't easy, but there's so much that we can learn from um, disability in general, you know, just keeping at a task until it's done, no matter how small or how big it is, you know, and so, and, and loving others with a conditional love, and the list could go on and on, but I, I'll choose that life any day. If you could name just one attribute of God that you've learned to treasure through your ministry, what would it be? Um, I would say acceptance. Um, I've become more sensitive to it and have experienced the joy of it as well. Acceptance would be what I would would say. What about you, Kevin? Well, I, mean, I, I think probably the same thing. I'll give you two examples um, as it relates to, you know, our, our daughter, of where I've seen it and where I've not seen it. Um, 
last summer, we're, it was our first our first summer here in Wisconsin. You know, we don't know a whole lot of people except for you know a few people for the people we work with and everything. And so we're we're looking for different programs for Bree to take part in during the summer. And so there was a program at a at a place downtown. And so we enrolled her and signed her up. And I went, I, you know, my job's pretty flexible. So I, I went down and kind of was just, you know, doing my work while she was in the program. And uh, I, I happened to watch and, and hear the instructor say, okay, the next, this is, this is young boys and girls mixed. And, um, and so the, the task was for the boys to choose a girl for the next activity as their partner. So my ears kind of perked up because as you as you raise a child with a disability, you're always looking through the lens of acceptance in a lot of ways. And so I I, I kind of perked up and looked and watched and and as as it as the, as the process went on, I watched boy after boy after boy walk around Bree as if she was invisible hmm. and was not chosen. And the instructor put her with somebody. Now. Were these boys being mean on purpose? Absolutely not. It's, it's education, it's exposure, it's obviously they, they're intuitive enough to know that there's a difference, you know, um, but just watching that lack of acceptance hurts. Hmm. And, you know, so we've learned to be more accepting, as Jory said, as we walk this journey. The other side of that coin is when it happens and it happens the other way and you're so excited. Mm-hmm. We're our pool, our community has a local pool. Bree loves to swim. She's a little fish and she just spends all day in the pool. And so we were there and oftentimes it's me, you know, in the pool with her joy will go in the pool and once in a while some kids, you know, whatever. And this one day, this little girl who was younger than Bree, because Bree, you know, tends to navigate a, a track once we're a little bit younger because of her, her ability or her level, I should say. So this little girl started playing with her and I meant, I, I, you know, nudged or mentioned to her, said, Hey, Hey, let's check this out. So watch the, our first response was, well, how long will it last? Because at some point quickly, there's going to be a discrepancy in ability of communication uh, to do things. And we thought, well, you know, it'll be, it'll be good for a little bit, but, it won't, it won't last. This is just us being, you know, we've seen it over and over and over again, you know. And two hours later, they were still playing together. You know, I don't, I've never seen this girl, Haley. I've never forgotten her name, but I've never seen her again, you know, because it's a busy community. And so acceptance is the word that comes to both of our minds because that's, that's the lens we look at through a lot with, with our daughter and with our students, you know. Yeah. And so it's beautiful when it happens. It's hurtful when it doesn't. But it's our job to help educate those who shy away from the acceptance factor of it. Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin and Joy, we were just so grateful for the ministry God's given you. And we want to thank you for sharing your time with us. And thank you especially for honoring the Lord with your lives. <laughs> well, thank you for allowing us to to share. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvht. 
www.ministries.org.